Hi there, this is Dave from the Overboard Podcast. This is Series 2, Episode 2. This week's special guest is Matt Williams, the Head of Entertainment for Warner Leisure Hotels, and he tells us about the large-scale entertainment programme he manages. Because at each of our hotels, we, we probably have between uh, four and five visiting artists each week. In addition to that, we have star names, and we also have large Warner festivals as well. And all your favourite features, including Did You See, our review of the week... And our global travel feature, The Further Adventures of Cornflake. All in this week's Overboard Podcast. Welcome to the Overboard Podcast, Series 2, Episode 2. The inside scoop into the world of travel, tourism and entertainment. We like to keep things simple, so no overproduction, no overthinking and no advertisements. And joining me... This week, as always, the love he's looking lovely on the other end of the line is the, the the man that we like to call Ben Clift. Good evening. Good evening, David. How oh. are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, had a good week. I always ask you, but it's nice, isn't it? Because we're friends. Had a good week. Yeah, it's been it's been a lovely week. Weather's weather's picking up over here in Hungary. What's the weather like there? Uh, it's uh, it's it's appalling actually. Lots of rain, uh, very high winds. But we're hoping for a, a nice couple of days moving forward. But uh, we shall wait and see. So, David, last week our little furry friend Cornflake was off on his adventures again. Now, just remind us where did you think he was? Well, I I thought Marseille. That was my guess. You thought. Yeah, you thought Marseille. Uh, did we have anybody guessing on our social media? Yes, we had three people that put Barcelona, Andrea, Max and Michael. <laughs> well, it is Barcelona, mm. so well done to those three who got it correct. Uh, anyway, here we go with... The Four Adventures of Cornflake. Oh, yes, my favourite time of the week, The Further Adventures of Cornflake. Where has our little imaginary cat been this week? That is the question. Well, let's start getting the clues. As always, I'll give you the clues, and David and you, dear listener, need to decipher and work out where Cornflake has been. So clue number one. Flight time from London to tonight's mystery destination is roughly 2 hours and 35 minutes. From Amsterdam, 2 hours and 30 minutes. And from Frankfurt, it's around about 1 hour and 55 minutes. Once landed, you would be greeted with a population of roughly 2.87 million. Where in the world is Cornflake? Hmm. So that's clue number one. We'll be back later on in the show with clue number two. Okay, this week's poll, which is run in association with what to do on your cruise. Do the current travel restrictions and returning quarantine regulations in various countries discourage you from travelling this year? A. I'm ready and keen to travel. I will find a way. B. I will travel, but only to a country with a fantastic COVID-19 record. C. I would like to travel, but the ever-changing quarantine regulations on return are making me nervous. D, no, would rather wait and enjoy the build-up to a holiday with no apprehension. Or E, the lockdown was holiday enough for me. Benjamin, did you see that a recent report said that cruise ships are safer than travelling to London? I haven't seen this report, David. Um, 
So I'm interested to find out a little bit more about it. A health official working as part of a joint safety task force between Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Line said it could be easier to avoid coronavirus on a ship than in some major cities. This was in an interview with Travel Weekly and uh, the Healthy Sail Panel co-chair, Dr Scott Gottlieb, said cruise ships provide the ability to control an, env- an entire environment and implement enhanced health and safety protocols to curb potential coronavirus infections. So he was asked, could taking a cruise potentially be a safer way to vacation in a COVID environment than going to London? Gottlieb continued, I think it might. What do you think about that? I think I'd agree with him, Dave, if I'm honest, because you can control an environment, can't you? You can control, we've had this conversation before, you can control people that are coming on, you can test them prior to coming onto the ship. Um, Once they're on, you know, if the ship's been sterilised from top to bottom, it's going to be a safe place to be, whereas in London you can't. Now, you say that as, as someone who's worked on, on large ships. I know you've never been a cruise director, but you've certainly worked implementing entertainment systems and training teams. I don't think this is the environment or the place to be knocking my career, David. <laughs> However, uh, so you've been on large cruise ships and obviously you worked on river ships. Now, the same goes for me. Now, we, we see all of that sterilisation and all the, the, the processes and implementations that are put into place before this pandemic and so we know how safe ships can be and are and as we've said before but I don't think everybody everybody just sees these stories and the outbreaks and therefore I think it's very good that this gentleman Mr Goodlight has said that because I I think in general people don't realise how safe cruising is. Okay did you see um, the the article about how cannabis could possibly stop you getting COVID-19? Two Canadian researchers think that a special strain of cannabis might be potentially a valuable tool in the fight against COVID-19. After looking at the research done on cannabis and COVID by other scientists, they were able to determine that cannabis, a special strain in particular, could potentially block COVID-19 from entering a person's body to begin with. Yeah, tell us more. Well, it comes down to our, our body's... ACE2 receptors which work sort of like doorways into our bodies for the virus. In the case of this particular study, cannabis would be used to decrease the level of ACE2 gene expression essentially temporarily closing the doors to the virus. Well, that's from Forbes magazine. I think that's a very interesting thought. Now would you have to smoke it or ingest it or what do you think? I don't know, maybe you could put it in a cookie. Or a hash brown. Is it a hash brown? No, brownies. Is, what is it? A hash brown. It is a hash Not the potato hash brown, but... A hash brown is, is a potato um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thing, edible. Um, and a brownie is something that you, you tend to put cannabis in brownies, I think. Right, OK. I don't know. Having never taken it, I wouldn't know. No, absolutely not. Do you know what I find interesting about this, David? Are you a big believer in natural remedies? Oh, yes. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because I'm a big believer that, okay, I know that, you know, some diseases are actually produced in, in laboratories and stuff like that. But I do believe there is a natural there is a natural ingredient on this planet for every kind of ailment or illness. There must be the yin and the yang. You see, you see, we, we, we could go into the argument about how pharmaceutical companies uh, promote the uh, promote their wares, really, uh, over herbal remedies because you naturally if you have a headache you think right i'll take a paracetamol or a ibu ibu but what's it called ibuprofen that's it that's the one um 
But you wouldn't actually think, let me go on the internet and think if there's a herbal remedy that could ease my headache. And and sometimes there are lots of different ways that you can ease a headache without taking, without going straight to the drugs. Did you see, Benjamin, um, that there are many different styles and um, makes of face masks available? Now, I'm asking you this because I know that you're due to go on a holiday soon. And I was just wondering, have you thought about which face mask you and your family are going to wear? We have got face masks. We ordered them off the internet. I'll be honest with you and say, I don't think we paid any attention to what kind of face masks they were. We just ordered some to get some. How much did they cost? I have no idea because the wife ordered them, but not much. I mean, they were pennies. Okay. There's, there's many, I've just been doing some research. There's so many different face masks you can get now. You can get an anti-dust face mask, which is 88% chinlon, whatever that is. That's 15 euros. That's one of them ones that you pull up over your over your neck and, and it sort of comes up you know like a like a snood like, like a snood very good um they say that the bandana if you make one out of a bandana or a handkerchief they're virtually ineffective if you if you wanted to do that you can get premium quality ones which are advanced skin friendly non-woven fabric electric melt blown fabric whatever that is they're only four euros uh, the, the surgical ones are the surgical N95 respirators, which the healthcare workers, they, they have to undergo a fit test to wear the right make, model and size to ensure it's a tight seal. There's new ones now. There's masks for religious coverings and facial hair, which have an elongated front with beard pockets with a long strap with a toggle that goes over the head. You can get a reusable face shield with clear plastic window visible expression for the deaf and hard of hearing so that you can see the... The mouth moving. That's quite a good idea. Uh, they're eight euros for four pieces. Um, and a lot of people are making their own face masks these days. Uh, you can get them with a pocket inside to hold a filter. And you can have different filters, such as a coffee filter, an unused vacuum cleaner bag filter, a HEPA furnace filter, or other air filters. And you sandwich the filter between at least two layers of fabric to cut down on the risk of inhaling potential harmful fibres from these materials. I ask you this because there's a lot of talk about these face masks at the moment. Now, a lot of people have reasons not to wear them. Do you know the Do you know the reasons why you sh- why you can't? Some people can't wear face masks. Um, well, uh, I'm going to say off the top of my head because they're agoraphobic. Agoraphobic is one. Yeah, there's many. There's there's a whole list of about thirty, thirty different um, reasons: anxiety, asthma, autism, emphysema, epilepsy. Panic attacks, panic disorders, vertigo, to, to name a few of them. Why would you not be able to wear a mask if you had vertigo? How does that work? I don't know. I've got vertigo. I went up to the second level of the Eiffel Tower when I was about 10 or 11, and I was, I was literally, I couldn't move. I was frozen to, the, to, the, to the, the iron structure. I couldn't move for about 20 minutes. So what is everybody wearing? Do you go for the cheaper one? Do you have to have a... Is there a specific requirement, do you know, for these face masks? No, there isn't. There isn't. And this is what you mentioned there, that uh, people are just using their own kind of coverings. You can literally wear a scarf around your nose and your mouth if you want. As long as your nose and your mouth in the UK are covered, then you can. it can be anything. I think people aren't giving it as much thought as you would probably think, if, if in all honesty. Well, I know I'm not. I'm just, it's a, it covers my face. It's done. I'm not really bothered about what it's made of. Um, it's a tick box exercise. Isn't this the typical inconsistency that's been th- running throughout this pandemic, though? 
it's like you've got to wear a face mask, but you can wear anything you like. You can wear, you know, a little bit of flimsy cotton, if you like. I mean, it goes, it's just, you're absolutely right when you say it's just another example of the mess. I mean, here in the UK, can you understand this, David? So if you go into a takeaway coffee shop or a restaurant to get a coffee, you have to wear a mask. But if that takeaway coffee shop has got a seating area, you don't. You can sit down and not wear a mask. Where's the logic in that? They are literally making it up as they go along. They are making it up as they go along. And with regards to the mask, David, there isn't a standard mask that you need to wear. Now, did you see that there could be, uh, uh, we could be saying goodbye to body odour, bye-bye BO. Scientists studying body odour have discovered what lies behind the armpit's ability to produce pungent smells. Researchers from the University of York have isolated an enzyme found in just a few bacteria, which they say could pave the way for the development of targeted inhibitors to stop BO production at source without disrupting the armpit microbiome. That was from the BBC News. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, if you do sit next to somebody who has got body odour, it is rather disgusting, isn't it? Have you ever had to tell anybody that they they need to go and wash? I, I, I... Do you know what? I do believe in the past, yeah, on an entertainment training course that we've had to pull people aside. Yeah. It's a very, I mean, there's no tactful way of telling someone. How would you tell them? Well, I think you just, you either, you've got two ways. You're either subtle or you say, oh, stinky over here. Get yourself in the shower, you eggy woofter. And let's see what happens. <laughs> but I think it's, it, it's, it is difficult, isn't it? I mean, if they eliminated body odour, David, would you still wear deodorant to make yourself smell nice? Well, yeah, because you, you still wear cologne, don't you? You still wear aftershave. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But back to the question, I don't know, David. How how do you go? How do you go about telling somebody that they're smelly? Basically, you give them a present. You give them a present of some deodorant, and you have to say, "Listen, it's been really hot. Have you tried this deodorant? It's a new one. Here, take this one from me." And and the. <laughs> Well, I'm just I mean, picturing it, the scene of you going up to somebody on a training course as this big manager or whatever like that, going. Hi, you don't really know me at all, but it's been very hot. Have you tried this deodorant? Have it on me. I just think that would be quite funny. Well, of course, you have to know the person. Otherwise, it doesn't work, does it? Did you see that the UK has imposed the 14-day quarantine on people returning from Spain, Benjamin? Yes, I did see this, David. Because do you know where I'm going next Friday? Spain, Benjamin. Spain, David. I'm going to Spain. Yeah. Um, Are you still going? Are you still going? Well, I want to sort of make it clear from the start that once again, the government of the UK have made this incredibly difficult and very, very confusing. So this story broke on Saturday evening and uh, they basically said that they are now advising that all non-essential travel to Spain is stopped. You can't essentially go to Spain. But Spain includes the Balearic Islands and it also includes the Canary Islands as well. And we're off on holiday to Lanzarote. Now, the government said you can still travel to the Balearics and you can still travel to the Canary Islands. But if you do, you still must quarantine when you come back. Now, how can we possibly do that? Alison is working. She needs to go into work. We're going with my sister who's working and her husband who are working. So essentially, this means that we couldn't go, right? And I find this incredibly frustrating that they've blanketed the whole of Spain with this lockdown and this travel advice when actually you're talking about a couple of isolated areas in Spain that are well under control. It it seems a bit bizarre because Spain is quite a big place, obviously, and also the Balearics are quite a way away from where the the last recognised peak in Spain was. 
Well, let me tell you about that because Catalonia, uh, Catalonia is where the, the peak is, yeah? How many miles do you think that is away from Lanzarote? About a 1,000. No, 1,676 miles Oof. away Lanzarote is from this small isolated outbreak in the middle of Spain. Now, just to put that into context, Leicester, which is locked down at the moment in the UK, how many miles away do you think that is from Catalonia? It's 1,080 miles. So somewhere that is locked down in the UK mm. is closer to that region of Spain than the area that we are going on holiday. Now, I've got some facts for you here, David. How many cases of coronavirus do you think the four islands of the Canaries have had and the three islands of the Balearics in total? I don't know, Benjamin. Tell me. 4,773. Now, the square mileage of the Canaries is 7,493. I keep going back to this because I keep coming back to Leicester, which is in the process of being locked down here in the UK. In Leicester and the surrounding area, they've had 7,101 cases. That's almost 3,000 more than the Canaries have had in total. Their square mileage is just 73 square miles. Now, you don't see Spain and you don't see the Canary Islands telling the UK that we cannot visit their islands when they have every absolute right to do so when you're talking about more cases in a smaller area than the whole of the Canary Islands. They're still inviting us to go there, saying it's safe to come to our islands, even though we would probably bring more infection to them. And in fact, since the 6th of June, or sorry, the 26th of June, Lanzarote has been COVID-free on the island. We can't travel there because of them. It's absolutely ridiculous. Can I give you another statistic? In the last five days... Deaths reported from COVID-19 in the UK have been 426 in Spain. Would you like to guess? 12. I've literally had enough now of COVID-19. We need to get the economy started again. We have to get back out there. You know what I think about COVID-19. I think it's just a way of people controlling people, but I won't go elaborate into that. But what I will do is I will give you some statistics about where I live in Hungary. You know what the procedure is over here? You have a, a, a three code category uh, about visiting other countries. So if you're in the green section, uh, I'll just give you a few of them because most of Europe is in green, including Ireland, Croatia, Austria, Slovenia, Slovakia, Germany, and would you believe Spain? You are free to travel to Spain and return without any quarantine any consequences just as if you would before if you're in the yellow category which is substantial risk you have to home quarantine when you get back with a red sticker on your door for 14 days and have a mandatory health check at the end of it now you can avoid this by taking a covid test you obviously have to pay for this um, and obviously get a negative result. But if you take a COVID test, get a negative result, you don't have to do the 14 days quarantine. The countries that are in the yellow uh, are Norway, the United Kingdom, the United States, China, Sweden, Portugal, Serbia, Romania and Bulgaria. Now, in the there is a red section. Now, this is the one. This is the section where Hungary strongly advised against traveling to these countries. Uh, you have to you still can travel. But when you get back, you have to home quarantine as yellow with the red sticker on your door. But. To get out of quarantine, you have to take two separate tests. And those countries in the red zone are Ukraine, Belarus, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Albania and Moldova, amongst others. So it seems to be a lot more categoric over here. And they seem to stick to these, this three code system. Whereas in the United Kingdom, they, they, they just seem to be. I mean, it's changed three times in the last six days. 
Yeah, I mean, sounds like you've got a really good system out there. We just don't have any systems in place. You can't get a test here unless you're showing symptoms. Like £219 or something stupid for that. So for a family of four to go and get tested on their return from Lanzarote, but you still have to... I, I, I just I just don't get it, David. I just don't understand the oh, logic well. behind it. Um, and uh, who, make, who makes the money out of that? You know, nearly £1,000. In testing, is it big pharmaceutical companies by any chance? The whole thing is ludicrous. And I, I'm, I'm not going to get into this now, David, but let me tell you something. I don't have a political swaying in my body. You know me. I'm as neutral as they can be. I'm Switzerland. I don't really care about politics. But I can assure you now, I don't think that in my lifetime in the UK we will see another conservative government in power. Regardless of what you think of the other parties, their handling of this whole COVID-19 situation has been a disgrace from start to finish. They don't know what they're doing. Boris Johnson is a bumbling fool who, you know, we need someone coherent in charge at a time like this. Somebody who has a clear vision. He lurches from one thing from one day. Let me give you another example of the lunacy of this. They are now launching in the UK a campaign about obesity. Two weeks ago, they were handing out vouchers to get the economy starting 50% off at McDonald's, Burger King, Pizza Hut and Domino's. Where's the logic in that? It's ridiculous. It, it's all ridiculous, Benjamin. When you say about the political parties, you, you know I'm, I, I, would, I would go towards Labour rather than Conservative anyway. But I don't think any of, any of these parties would have handled this very well because they just don't seem to be... For me, it's all about controlling people. It's all about money. I just think the way it's handled is really being handled to, in a way that seems to keep people down, make them more scared and control things. And now it seems to be making money out of it which is abhorrent. The Burr Adventures of Cornflake. Clue number two, then. The city is ranked as the 14th most visited city in the world, the third most visited in the European Union, and the most popular tourist attraction within its country of location. Where is Cornflake? Benjamin, anger management, have you got anything for me on this? Well, I've already been quite angry in this episode, but I have some. I do have some anger issues, and that is with my neck curtains. Oh, really? What's that? Yeah. Well, you know, David, you have neck curtains, and they can be attached to the windows in two separate ways. You can either screw in a little screw, and it goes on a wire from one side to the other, and that goes in. But if you have PVC windows, you can't get that screw in, so you have to use little hooks, plastic little hooks, okay? I know. Now, these hooks stick to the window, and then you slot your neck curtain onto the top of that in the pole, all right? Mm -hmm. Now, in my bedroom, I have put up 10 plastic hooks can i get them to stay up every 15 minutes the goddamn things are falling off and it's impossible how can 10 hooks not hold up my neck curtains which weigh nothing and a plastic rail it's driving me absolutely mad i've put it up maybe 10 times in the last week and now i've had enough of it i just draw the curtains i leave it on the floor i've said to the wife no you deal with it i'm not having any more to do with it would you like to know mine <laughs> well not really but tell me anyway <laughs> Do you know what annoys me? On social media, people who have their profile picture with a face mask on. I mean, 
What is the point of that? I mean, surely people want to get away from it. I mean, are these people so scared that they've got the face mask on all the time or do they think they're going to get it from the computer? What is wrong with them? Let's see the people's faces. We see enough of face masks. We don't want to see it on social media as well, please. <laughs> Idiots. Benjamin, now it's time for Emetology Corner. Now, this week's um, saying is to steal someone's thunder. Do you know, do you know what it means for a start? Uh, to steal someone's thunder, it's to, it must be to take credit from somebody. Yes, to take credit for something that someone else has done, or to use the ideas of someone else for your own advantage. Do you know where it comes from? I'll tell you. It comes from the failed Enlightenment playwright and critic John Dennis. He had a debut play, it was a massive flop, but it had one great innovation in the theatre's creation of thunder. So they used basically a thunder sound effect in this play. Now later, a production of Macbeth allegedly stole his invention and the phrase was born as he indignantly claimed, damn them, they will not let my play run, but they steal my thunder. Amazing. That's really interesting, David. Fantastic. The Four Adventures of Cornflake. All right then, so we've had two clues. We've got two remaining. This is clue number three. The city has 280 fountains and more than 900 churches. Where in the world is Cornflake? This week, David, I got the opportunity for our coffee break chat to catch up with Matthew Williams. Matt is the head of entertainment at Warner Leisure Hotels. In previous careers, Matt has travelled extensively around the globe, implementing both adult and family entertainment for TUI UK, one, of course, of Europe's leading tour operators. Nine months ago, though, he decided to make a change and join the Bourne Leisure Group, whose umbrella includes Haven, Butlands and, of course, Warner Leisure Hotels. Now, Warner Leisure are famous for their stunning scenery, live entertainment and fine dining. And I was looking forward to catching up with Matt and chatting about how his operation runs on a day-to-day -day basis. The first question, though, that I wanted to ask him was, could he tell us a little bit more about Warner Leisure Hotels? So the Warner brand, it started back in the 1930s, 1932 to be exact, by Captain Harry Warner. And he opened his very first holiday camp. And it went from strength to strength over the years. And he bought up land. Um, and then in the 1960s, one of our... Our first um, Warner Hotels, um, Signer Warren, uh, was created. Then Warner Holidays actually became all adult only in 1994. Um, and they started building an array of hotels and buying up old coastal um, villages and historic country houses to what we've got today. Um, and essentially, we've got 14 um, hotels across the UK. Um, we have some that are on the coast and we have some inland, which we call our historic country houses. Our main um, core customer base is generally in their retirement years. Um, and we generally have age demographic between your 60s and 70s. But we are looking to um, increase a new customer base, you know, and get more of the younger guests in between the 40s and 50s. Now, we're really interested to talk to you about your area of expertise, which is, of course, entertainment. So can you tell us what your entertainments do in your hotels? What, what will they deliver? So we've got a really robust entertainment programme. We're all about live entertainment at literally seven nights a week. We have an entertainment manager in every hotel. 
we have entertainment vocalist and an entertainment technician. And on a day-to-day, their role is to run daytime activities and host and become the perfect host at a Warner Hotel. And in the evening, they're donning the stages and they're singing to their heart's content. And they're producing production shows and they're hosting visiting artists on a nightly basis. It sounds like a fabulous job. I mean, what kind of experience do they they need and how would they go about getting a job as an entertainer at Warner's? Well, experience-wise, they need to have a talent and the talent really needs to start with their vocals. Um, We love performances and live music and all of our music is done to live resident bands that we have in each and every one of our hotels. You know, so... The first thing I'd say is they need to have the talent of vocals. The second thing we really promote is their personality. It's absolutely key to be the perfect Warner host, to have an infectious personality and be that warm, friendly welcome that all our guests want. You mentioned there, which is really important for your brand, the live music. And you're probably one of the only chains in the UK that features live music on a daily basis. What do you see as the benefits of that, Matt, as the head of entertainment? First and foremost is the feeling that you get. It's You feel live music. You know the difference between live and um, pre-recorded or even playback music. And I think it, it brings another dynamic to the performance. Um, and uh, I think as well, the resident bands have been a stable part of Warners for the best part of 30 years now. And because of that, our traditional core guests absolutely love them. They play an integral part of the hotel. Um, They don't just play in the evenings. They play in afternoon matinees, uh, afternoon teas, pre-dinner drinks into the evening. And then later on the evening, they'll be back in our great vocalists, such as um, our visiting artists and also all of our production teams. So it's, it's integral part of the whole holiday experience, to be honest, Ben. I mean, you mentioned, um, obviously, your musicians back your singers and you, you said you like to have vocal talent within within your teams. I mean, with so many production shows in resort, how, how does the rehearsal period work? Because, I mean, outside of COVID-19, I, I'm, I'm, I believe that all of your hotels are open all year round. Is that correct? They are. They're open all year round. And um, once we have um, a new show that's to be delivered and we roll that out across 14 hotels, the rehearsal period is, is um, actually really tight most rehearsal periods last between three and four days where we send to each hotel a resident um, choreographer and a resident director and they will install that show in with the team Um, Mm. when they move away from those um, rehearsal periods of three to four days essentially that the shows will be around about 80 percent ready and they then need about 20 percent of the time just to polish and, and make the tweaks that's relevant for the hotel because each hotel is slightly different, slightly different um, stages as well. So typically, how many shows a year would you look to roll out now? How often does the schedule change? Well, on a normal basis, um, it would be two to three shows a year. Times are changing um, and uh, I'm only in my role now for nine months and we've only been able to roll out one show due to the uh, unfortunate current climate. However, um, the plan was that we'd be rolling out a show every quarter. That means every three months, um, which means we'd hit a target of four new shows um, per per year. And the key thing for that for us would be it gives our guests the variety they want and also the performers 
the engagement that they also need as well. It, it's really important that we freshen that unique entertainment programme. So we, we are aiming for four production shows a year. So you have this huge responsibility, Matt, as, as the head of entertainment. So I'm assuming you can't do it all on your own. Who, who supports you? Who do you work alongside? I'm really lucky. I have a regional operations support manager um, and her name's Gemma and she works across the hotels, mainly covering the southern hotels for us um, to make sure all the hotels have got all the equipment that they need to deliver the programme, all of the training that they need and also that just operational support, that shoulder, that phone call whenever they need it. She's there and she's absolutely brilliant. We've also got an entertainment planning team. So we've got an entertainment planning manager and then we've got two act bookers as well. So at any given time, we've got someone booking acts day in, day out because at each of our hotels, we, we probably have between uh, four and five visiting artists each week. In addition to that, we have star names and we also have large Warner festivals as well. And something new, we also have Warner concerts. So there's something all the time happening and needing to be planned. And we have to be well planned going into 2021. So the team's really busy working on that at the moment. And uh, finally, we've got a little bit of admin. So we have to pay people. We have to process those uh, invoices, contracts and paperwork. So we've got a little admin team supporting us as well. Obviously for you, Matt, I mean, you're stuck between betwixt and between, aren't you? Because I would imagine you'd like to spend a lot of time in the venue, seeing your team, seeing how the entertainment works. But you've got the responsibilities of being back in the head office and, and talking to the board of directors, etc. How do you plan your visits? I mean, how do you manage your time? Interestingly, um, I actually work um, the majority from the hotels. Um, there's nothing better than just jumping in the car really early morning and going to one of the hotels and just being present on site, um, working from the offices. Um, with technology nowadays, I feel like I'm in every hotel anyway because I'm constantly on the laptop on video calls nowadays and uh, I'm in really good um, and well connected to our leadership team. You mentioned, Matt, earlier on about the fact that you book celebrity acts. You've got a lot of acts going in. I mean, you, might, you don't need to give us the, 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 the final figure, but what kind of budgets are you managing? I mean, and that comes with a huge responsibility, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does. Um, we do have a number of budgets. And interestingly enough, what I will share with you, it's not just entertainment. So we have what we would call our entertainment support budget that provides all of the support for all of the hotels, which essentially in there is your, your costumes, your production shows, your creative costs, you know, all of the things that we need to build that program. Uh, and that's our entertainment support budget. And then we've got our entertainment planning budget, which is all of our visiting artists, star names and festivals, you know, and that naturally is quite a large budget. But interestingly enough, you know, it may seem seem quite large, but everything is done in conjunction to the cost of the holiday and the breaks itself. So therefore, it's really important to make sure we keep the cost as efficient as possible. Therefore, we're not passing too much spend onto the guests and the guests can still get a great deal coming to our Warner holidays. And the final part of our budget really is actually not sitting in entertainment. It sits in our marketing um, spend. So we talk about star names, but they bring a double value. They bring a value not just on our stages, but they bring great value through web and marketing development and great publicity for the Warner brand. You, you mentioned that you've been in the role for nine months. Obviously, 
Matt, I know you, so I know that you'll you'll have a vision and you're hugely ambitious. How how much of a free role do you think you'll have in decisions moving forward, or are you answerable to a board of directors? It's it's about engagement and engaging um, the leadership team and the team that you work alongside every day. And if you get that engagement, um, there will always be that investment there to, to do the right thing for our guests. And for me, it, it's always about providing that memorable holiday experience and what can we do that will set us aside differently to any of the competitors that we have in the UK? What can we do to ensure that our guests will come back to it time and time again and they'll see something new, they'll see something fresh and hopefully they'll see something unique? Yeah. That's my plan. That's, that's what's really important for the next 12 months and beyond. And when you really capitalise on, you know, one little great idea that could be the smallest of changes, but it has the biggest of impacts, the leadership team, um, without doubt, they give you that support and they give you that backing. And providing we've got that clear relationship, good communication with our leadership team, we'll always succeed because we will do the right thing for our guests at all times. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think it's really important for venues like Warner's to continue to offer the entertainment packages that they do, because live entertainment, it's, it's kind of dying out, isn't it? it? It is dying out in many ways, because more and more businesses will look for the easy options as we go into a, um, a very digital um, era and very led by technology. Now, technology has its place. Don't get me wrong, it does. And it's vital that we um, maintain all of our entertainment systems, our AV, our lighting and sound, um, and making sure they're the best they can be to provide the best production value. But, you know, we shouldn't lead by the tech. We should lead by the talent and we should lead by the performers. You mentioned at the start about the average age of the guest, and you then mentioned about attracting younger guests. How do you, how do, you do that, Matt, in an established uh, holiday brand that is renowned, and I and I say that with the greatest of respect for a slightly older clientele. Uh, absolutely, um, and it's probably one of the hardest questions um, to to ask. But for for us, I suppose it's just taking it back to the bare bones that everyone needs to to relax, everyone needs to take time out, and everyone needs a holiday. So. We've got three strands um, that we work to in Warners, and that is um, relaxation, exploring, and entertainment. And there's three segments that make up a perfect holiday, should you like. They're almost like put them together and you've got your perfect cocktail and your perfect holiday. So for us, it may be people actually, to get the younger clientele, we focus on the relaxation point of view where we can offer great leisure programmes and spa programmes um, within our fantastic hotels and our historical, um, even our coastal villages. Um, it's the exploring programme as well. It's not just about what's in the hotel, it's out and about in our grounds, providing those walks. And nowadays, leisure and exercise and activity, getting out and about and walking those countrysides is absolutely key. And actually, I'm of age now where I'm walking on a weekend with my wife and we enjoy that company together, but we also enjoy that fitness and exercise. And then also we enjoy that entertainment, but we like a choice of entertainment. We'd like to choose when we want to see something and where we want to see it. Um, so something we're doing in Warners is providing different locations and different varieties and always offering two options rather mm. than just one option 
of entertainment in our indoor pavilion or indoor theatres. We're offering um, what is essentially uh, another programme. So it will always be something to see in a Warner Leisure Hotel that's different to what's happening in the main venue or in the theatre. There's always that freedom of choice. And by giving that, we will attract new guests into our hotels. Well, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this evening. Um, tell us, if, if someone's listening to this and uh, maybe they're interested in a career with Warners, can they go somewhere to, to apply for positions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a Born Leisure Careers website. Uh, if you simply search for that, you'll see there's an array of jobs within Born Leisure. Um, and we also have um, entertainment positions that pop up all of the time. We've got great opportunities in the business where people, um, we've got great succession planning where talent thrives. So we're always welcome new talent to the business and it's good to see them staying with us and doing a number of different jobs across across the hotels. And uh, we welcome people to apply and join the team. Well, Matt, like I say, brilliant to talk to you. We wish you all the best for the forthcoming weeks and months and years in the position. And uh, I, I know personally, I look forward to seeing all of the changes you're going to make and uh, hopefully continuing the wonderful, wonderful entertainment that's provided at Warner. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ben, for your time. Clue number four then, our final clue in the further adventures of Cornflake. Cats have a special law in the city. An ancient law states that if at least five cats are living together, they cannot be scattered or moved on. This is why tonight's mystery destination has around 300,000 stray cats roaming the streets. Where in the world is Cornflake tonight, David? Do you know? Um, I am thinking... Well, you'll have to come and join us next week, David. Well, of course you'll join us next week because you are, of course, the anchor of this podcast and I will reveal the destination. But in the meantime, listener, dear listener, do let us know where you think Cornflake is. Uh, message us on Facebook or tweet us. David. If you have any opinions about um, what face masks you'll be wearing or whatever you think about the quarantine restrictions, if you want to take part in the poll or you want to guess the location of Cornflake, please contact us and let us know what you think uh, with suggested items to cover, people to interview. Um, you can contact us on our website, over-board.com, B-O-R-E-D was the spelling, on Facebook, at Overboard Podcast, one word, again, board spelt B-O-R-E-D. And on Twitter, at Overboard 5, again, board spelt B-O-R-E-D. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe through your listening platform. This way it will download Ready For You, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public and Anchor. And please, please do get in touch with us. Uh, we'd like to thank our contributors this week. We had the wonderful Matt Williams, uh, also our team, Oliver Diak, Matthias van Dort and Darren Collins. Uh, next week, uh, on Friday the 7th of August, in fact, this week coming up, I'm on a chat show on the internet. It's called The Chit Chat Show. Uh, you can find it on Facebook. That's The Chit Chat Show. Um, and I will be a guest on there. So please join me on that. Um, and until then, it's been a great evening talking to you, Ben. Thank you very much for joining us. Say goodnight, Ben. Goodnight, Ben.
Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and do not represent those of people, institutions or organisations that contributors may or not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity. The contributors to the podcast make no representations as to the accuracy or completeness of any information on the podcast or any site found by following any links discussed within.